welcome to today's episode of The Winning Ticket. I'm your host, Bobby Kravitsky. Joining me today, if they had a Hall of Fame for sports betting, this man would be in it. You can find his work at Sports Memo, Wager Talk, and Gambling.com. 28-year professional sports handicapper, John Ryan. Boy, thanks, Bobby. I'll tell you, you're the best host. I, I am on many shows, and you are by far the best introduction I get. So I'm very grateful for that. But you know, to uh, be humble, it, it's been just the um, unbelievable run here the last 90 days. And uh, those results are published on many different sites that you mentioned, and uh, they document it. So there's no fluff. There's no hype. It's just uh, grinding it out one day at a time. Yeah, John, I say it all the time. Your work speaks for itself. So I'm curious to get your take. We're going to start in the NFL. It's week 10. We've got the Cowboys at 6-2 and two, going to Lambeau Field to take on a struggling 3-6 and six Packers team that I don't think will make the playoffs this year. What's the play here? Well, I think it's clearly Dallas, Bobby, because of that defense. And you know, not to digress here a little bit right away, but the matchup I'm looking forward to down the road is Dallas and Philadelphia. And that could be for all the marbles in the NFC East despite the fact that the Eagles are undefeated right now. Uh, but in terms of Green Bay, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Hall of Famer. He's got a lot of MB- MVP awards. But I can't get away from the fact that he threw his team, he threw his wide receivers under the bus the day that he announced that, well, the team lost, yeah, but I had my career best quarterback rating. You know, it's not about me. You know, it, and I think, you know, Mr. Brady has exemplified that and several other quarterbacks, Peyton Manning, you know, uh, you know, it's the whole unit has to be working together. And obviously this Green Bay Packers team is in complete disarray. And it's a shame because they were definitely a team that was preseason destined to go possibly to the NFC conference uh, title game and then to the Super Bowl. But um, not throwing, you know, Rodgers under the bus, but he single handedly now is supposed to be the leader, but he has done nothing of the kind. So I have a an analytical that gets through all this mud and emotion and and who did what to who and that type of thing. So we're going to bet the under in this game, 42 and a half to 49 points. One of the teams has a losing record on the season, which as you said, the Packers certainly qualified. And with that losing record team, having lost to the spread by 42 or more points over the last five games. And that fact right there sums it up how horridly bad the Packers have been. So that set of parameters, Bobby, is uh, 46 and 22 to the under at 68% winners over the last 10 seasons. And only one season did this betting system lose money. So I, I like the under here quite a bit. Yeah, I'm with you there, John. Not to mention Romeo Dobbs just got hurt in that Lions game. He's going to be out a few weeks with an ankle sprain. So this Packers offense, it's only trending in the wrong direction it would seem, and then you look at who they're going against, Dallas, a top three scoring defense that also ranks in the top five in yards per play allowed. And offensively, Dallas just average. They have a reliable running game, though, but they also don't turn the ball over. They're top four in that category. So I expect the Cowboys to go into Lambeau and get a victory. But like you're saying here, as far as point production, I don't think we see that much of it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this simply points per game, 17.1 for the Green Bay Packers, 27th in the league, number three scoring defense, 16.6. Again, I think Green Bay will struggle to move the chains, and I wouldn't be surprised if they score 10 or fewer against this Dallas defense. Yeah, I think that is firmly on the table. Another matchup that we want to get to here, this time in the AFC, the Colts taking on the Raiders in Las Vegas. 
to me on FanDuel, I found Las Vegas at minus five and a half. You can get it at minus 118. I, I know this is a team in Las Vegas that people don't have a ton of confidence in. I kind of look at this as a layup because of the opponent as much as anything else, John. The Colts are in shambles. They, they benched Matt Ryan for the season when they made that decision, saying there's no chance for him to get the job back. They bring in Jeff Saturday out of left field, or more accurately, the ESPN booth to be the head coach. That yeah. is just, it's a comical move from a team that seems to lose their mind when they have a loss to the Patriots, especially if it's a bad one. This being the latest example of it. Sam Ellinger, I don't think can play the position. I mean, he's fine if he's your backup, but as your starter the rest of the, rest of the way, that's a rough go. And then their receivers are nothing to write home about either. So there's not a lot to love about this Colts offense or what's going on on the sidelines either. This is an indie team that ranks dead last in scoring. They are the only team, John, that is averaging less than 15 points per game. And while their defense is allowing 20, that's a winnable number. I still look at their averages alone and expect the spread to get covered in this one. Yeah, I'm with you 100% here. I, th- I think this uh, spread is probably off by as many as four points. Uh, I, you know, I would make Las Vegas here independent of what the results have been, you know, the recency bias, uh, to be a 10-point favorite over this struggling Colts team. And you're right, Jeff Saturday in his press conference did say the right things. You know, he has played many playoff games. He was Peyton Manning's center for so many years, all pro. He's been to Super Bowls. He knows what it takes to excel as an athlete at the NFL level, but that doesn't translate in two days. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to take uh, years. If they do make him the head coach, it's going to take years to change the culture there in Indianapolis. And uh, he might be the guy to be able to do it, but they're going to have to give him time to change it around. Yeah, and then I look at this from a Raiders perspective. This is a team that's blown three 17-point leads, but I just have a hard time buying into the fact if they go up by that much against this indie squad, that they're going to make it a fourth time. And that Derek Carr presser, I don't know if you saw it after the last game when they lost on Sunday, but he was exacerbated and trying to bite his tongue. Say He said literally, or to paraphrase at least, something like, there's a lot I want to say, but this isn't the forum to do so. And a theory that I have, John, is that Josh McDaniels coming from that Bill Belichick branch, what Belichick liked to do and really more got to do with Tom Brady than Mac Jones is when they get a comfortable lead, they start treating the clock as the opponent more so than the actual opposition. And so they would start to just bleed the clock and play it that way and take this disciplined approach that if you translate to Las Vegas without Tom Brady, by the way, then you can understand, and especially a a struggling defense that ranks in the bottom six and points allowed at 25 per contest, you can understand how players who aren't used to that approach would start to take their foot off the gas. You would start to run into some significant struggles and drive stalling out offensively. You have a defense that can't stop a nosebleed. And so all of a sudden, your 17-point lead evaporates so I look at the Raiders and I wonder if that's what's happening here with Josh McDaniels and these big leads I I agree 100% I think in this game the goal should clearly be uh, possibly a first half play here based on this is that the Raiders will want to get out quick and fast and get out to a a 21 point lead as fast as possible to your point they should go into a shell cover two defense the rest of the way and like the Patriots did and, and that was a great point they used to play between the 20s. 
when they had the lead. And they were criticized for it, that they were giving up all these yards on defense. Well, if your defense tightens up in the red zone and the opponent gets a field goal and not a touchdown, then that's pretty darn good. And that also milks the clock down when you have that big lead. So uh, I, I really like this Raiders team. I, I want to see them get back to it because I think they're one of the most undervalued teams in the NFL. And only time will tell, but I, I do see, like you do, that this could be an ugly, ugly game and a big, big victory for the for the Raiders. Yeah, there's just too much talent there for a team averaging 23 points per game with Carr and Adams and Jacobs and Renfro, everyone they've got. It's just hard for me to believe that they're not going to cover that five and a half point spread in this one. But I like your take as well, that that first half play that they blow doors in the first two quarters, that seems like a smart move. As well, John, let's get back to the NFC, another game that we want to get to here in our best bets. The Falcons taking on the Panthers in Carolina. I love the over in this one at 41 and a half. You can grab it for minus 112. This is an Atlanta team that ranks in the top 10 in terms of scoring. And I feel like, John, you tell me if you think it's different, but I feel like they're getting a lot more attention from the gambling community because they've done so well against the spread this season than from national pundits, for example. But they're putting up 24 points per contest, despite not having a ton of recognizable household names. And in seven out of the Falcons' nine games this season, they've gone over that 41.5 point total, combined with what the opposition's done as well, of course, not just on their own. In the first twi- the first tilt between these two teams, the final was 37-34 to 34 Falcons, so a somewhat high-scoring affair there. And then both of these teams rank in the bottom seven defensively and give up 25-plus points per game. So that's why I think that Carolina is going to help this cause. Yeah, and I think uh, Atlanta's the play here, and they, you know, they have been scrutinized because they're, you know, winning with smoke and mirrors. And to the, I, I will agree with that point. They, they are getting outstatted, but they're finding ways to win. They do have a losing record, but they're right in the hunt for the divisional race. And uh, Carolina will be able to put points up against this defense, as you said. But I think at the end of the day, Atlanta, whether they outstat them or not, is going to find a way to get another win. And uh, betting against teams like Carolina that have gone over the total by 35 or more points in their last three games and has a losing record on the season, that has gone 34-11 and 11 the last five seasons for a whopping 76% winning bets. Uh, I kind of, I'm definitely leaning on Atlanta tonight for sure. John, this is why you're a walking bucket those systems consistently come through and make money for people. So I like that over at 41 and a half for the Falcons and the Panthers matchup. And then let's switch gears here. Let's talk some college football. It's an interesting slate with some really compelling SEC matchups that I know we want to get into, starting with your perspective on Mizzou taking on fifth-ranked Tennessee. Yeah, this is a tough spot for Tennessee. It really is. And, you know, they're coming off their first loss of the season. And it's not the you know it's not like losing in the first week or the even the sixth week for that matter. They lost and they they really got beat down pretty well against Georgia last week. Uh, they did have a chance for a backdoor cover, but whether they would have covered the spread or not, the stats were overwhelmingly in favor of the Bulldogs, and they really sent a message to the nation that they want to be repeat national champions. So what I'm worried here most of all, I'd rather see Tennessee playing Alabama this week because the focus then would shift immediately to a, a very, very good elite opponent. Missouri is, is not an elite opponent, but Missouri has shown 
that they can play against some of these really good teams. This is just, I think, a bad spot. And you're going to fade home teams coming off their first loss of the season after game number six or more of the regular season. And the home team defeated the current opponent in their previous meeting, which Tennessee destroyed them last year in their previous meeting. So the confidence level is, well, we lost to Georgia, but now we're, well, we're playing Missouri. Well, we'll win that. And you got to remember, these kids are, you know, 18 to 21, 22. And we know as a, through experience that you can't just assume that a game is going to be won in the SEC. And uh, I just kind of have a feeling here that Tennessee is going to have some trouble, but they're going to win the game, but they're not going to cover. By the way, that uh, fade the home team angle is 33 and 53 for 38%, which means you win 62% of the time. And if that home favorite is favored by 17 and a half or more points, fading them produces a 27 and 13 record for 68% winners over the last 15 college football seasons. So I'm going to be targeting Missouri here. And then obviously if they would score first, I would be immediately on Tennessee, whatever the line is on the end game and play the middle. That's why you're sharp among sharps, John. It's sound advice right there. And let's not forget this Mizzou team gave Georgia its toughest time this season. So absolutely Tennessee, if they're deflated and can't get up for this matchup or they're overlooking the opponent, then they could be in trouble here against the Tigers. It's going to be very interesting to see how Tennessee handles that after having such momentum through this season up until just hitting that brick wall that was the Georgia Bulldogs. So we'll see how the volunteers bounce back or if they can in fact do so at all on Saturday. And then another SEC matchup that we want to get to here, seventh ranked LSU, the other Tigers, if you will, taking on Arkansas. This one fascinates me. We were talking about it off the air before the show. I like the Tigers at minus three and a half. You can get it for minus 110 on FanDuel. LSU controls its own destiny. Now, that does mean beating Georgia in the SEC championship, no easy feat. But at the same time, I think that Oregon or Tennessee would sign up for that opportunity. And it's not going to be easy for them to run the table. It starts with making sure that there's not a letdown game here for LSU, but with Brian Kelly at the helm and the job that he's done, who would have thought that after that first game against Florida State and the way it unfolded? But at the same time, I I think that LSU understands the situation they're in. I think they're going to come out locked in on Saturday against the Razorbacks. And then you look at just who their opponent is and the tail of the tape on Arkansas. This team is 5-4, and only 2-3 and in conference play. And they are surrendering the second most points in the SEC West and the third most in the conference. So like I said, I think LSU will be focused. And I think the Tigers cover that three and a half point spread. Yeah. And this is where I thought when I first saw the the spread, Bobby, I thought, what is this a misprint? Because LSU just came off this monumental win. And now they're going up against Arkansas, who lost to Liberty last week. And no offense to Liberty, but they were 14 and a half point favorites and lost the game 21 to 19. That is never a good thing. And you can't say that Arkansas was looking ahead because Arkansas is you know, playing for the best possible bowl game now. And uh, I just couldn't believe it was, it was three points. And as we know, when it looks too good to be true, it often is. But uh, I think you've got to take the better team here. And I agree with you. I, no matter if you like Brian Kelly or not, he's going to make sure that those guys are ready to go. And it might be easier for them not to have a, a letdown being on the road in a hostile environment 
because a, a few, you know, uh, phrases from the fans, for lack of a better word, might fire up these players to say, hey, you're, you're not going to beat us today. And LSU will just keep doing what they've been doing all year. So I, I'm with you on LSU here. It's the only play to make. Brian Kelly, an easy target, but a good coach. You got to give the man his props when they're due. And so I do think that the Tigers, they don't stumble into a trap game or come up short against Arkansas. I think they handled business. That wraps up this edition of the winning ticket. But before we go, John, the stage is yours to promote any work you want to share and let everyone know where they can find you on social media. Well, you can find me on Twitter at John Ryan Sports and the number one. You can send me direct messages. I'll do my best to get back to every single one of you. Oftentimes it's difficult to do, but I do do my best. I do have a uh, pretty big run going in the NHL, 15 and three so far this year. And uh, most importantly, the NBA tonight, I have a 10 unit, 5% max bet going. Those plays have gone 32 and 11 over the last two seasons in all sports. That's 74%. It's a big percentage. That also means that we lose 26% of them, Bobby. So that play is available now at Predictive Playbook. And um, hopefully you'll join me and we'll have some fun with it. Follow John. Take him up on his advice if you like making money. Thank you to everyone who tuned in today, whether you found us on Believe.com, the Winning Tickets YouTube page, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you enjoyed the show, please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe. It goes a long way. For John Ryan, I'm Bobby Kravitsky. This has been The Winning Ticket. Thanks for tuning in. 